This is the Hijacking America Liberty Strikes Podcast. I'm your host, Joe McHugh, and today we're going to talk about the 2020 election fraud. There is no debate. The 2020 presidential election was more likely hacked than not. I'm reading the article that I wrote which I published to Medium, and then we can talk a little bit about it. Dominion and ES&S hacked within minutes serve 48 out of 50 states. The 2020 presidential election was more likely hacked than not. Technical findings and court rulings indicate the same. Here are the technical findings that we know to be true. Number one, the Election Assistance Commission, a branch of the federal government, pays states to use hackable election software. And the links are provided in my Medium article at votejoemchugh.medium.com. The title of the article is There Is No Debate. The 2020 presidential election was more likely hacked than not. Number two, two Election Assistance Commission or EAC-approved vendors, Dominion Voting Systems and Election Systems and Software are used in 48 states. And I provide for you a spreadsheet of the states as well as the links uh, to the proof in each state where the software is used. Item number, point number three, the software from both Dominion and ESS was hacked and reported as early as 2007 and as late as 2018. Point number four, the disclosure of software vulnerabilities was ignored by the vendor ESNS. Now, interestingly, point number four also ties into the We the People Act. Now, there are a lot of good ideas in the We the People Act, but their bug bounty uh, means that uh, you're reporting vulnerabilities to the government. And we're already reporting the vulnerabilities to the government, and the government's not closing it. So unless we open source the software, it's not going to work. Uh, And the bug bounty should be open source to anybody, and then they need to be able to close and prove that it's been closed, Those the loopholes. Point number five, the vulnerable software was used in the 2016 election, not fixed as of 2018, and has not yet been analyzed in 2020. Point number six, the software code is proprietary and unavailable to the public, as though it were classified. Now, question, If, if our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, to our ability to express our, our, our viewpoints and our self-determination through our right to vote are expressed in the vote, then isn't it important that we know that the software code is open source, open to the public for public review, and is transparent and as a result of that transparency, is also trustworthy? I think the answer to that that question is yes. So what that means is that if there is any proprietary software used in the election, the code must be made public. If you have a company, as with the case with Dominion, in which their code is not made public and is held uh, proprietary and classified effectively, then does that not also effectively prove their complicity? That, for example, the, you know, what happened in 2020 uh, probably also happened in 2018, 2016, and every year dating back to 2000 at least, uh, potentially every year that's been used all the way back into maybe even the late 90s. 
these softwares, the software that's used uh, has some significant vulnerabilities uh, at which any one point of access across hundreds of thousands of access points can be used to access the network and flip the election. That is something that if it is possible, in theory, if you have code that we cannot see, is it possible that code that we cannot see can be hacked and manipulated by someone else from afar? If the answer to that question is yes, and I believe that the answer to that question is yes, then isn't it also imperative that we examine that code in order to ensure that the code is trustworthy? That requires that the software code be open source, and it also requires that the courts throw out this idea that we can be using proprietary or classified code from companies because that, that violates our rights uh, to due process and informed consent. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the question is why? Why would the U.S. government pay states to use hackable election software if they did not intend to exploit the vulnerability? Why would the two primary vendors used in 48 states ignore reports of their software being vulnerable to attack? Why are we blaming the Russians for cyber attacks when the evidence points to an inside job? On the legal front, why would the Pennsylvania Supreme Court reject a clear case where Pennsylvania election law is codified in the Pennsylvania Constitution and therefore requires an amendment to their constitution to change their election law, which they did not do, by the way. They allowed, it's, I'm, you know, I'm not opposed to mail-in ballots being, you know, absentee balloting being available to everybody. Everybody who wants to vote should have the right to vote, everyone, provided that you provide, you know, proof of your citizenship, whether that's a, an ID or a passport or whatever, and if the argument against that is people can't afford it, make the IDs free. Ensure that everyone has an identification card. I can't tell you how many times I have run into homeless people on the street who do not have ID because they do not have an address. And I can tell you for a fact because for the last three years while I've been on the road ever since I've left uh, Puerto Rico and have been intermittently homeless, I can tell you that if I didn't have a permanent address, you know, with like my parents were still around and to keep my permanent address there, I wouldn't have a place to get my mail. And so, you know, this is, these people that are on the street, they have no place to get their mail. And without a mailing address, we can't get an ID. And if you don't have an ID, you know, you can't really participate in society. You can't, you can't apply for jobs. You can't apply for credit. And that's how you end up homeless. And so uh, it's just, it's just a, a vicious cycle of poverty and uh, entrapment and imprisonment and that we need to address here. It's a bigger issue uh, than, uh, than just elections. This all ties in together. But everybody should have an ID. The ID should be free. And everybody who wants to vote should be able to vote. And the, the, the election day should be a holiday and maybe, you know, it's two or three days. I don't know, but we need to make sure that everyone has the right to vote. And we need to make sure that the vote itself is trustworthy and transparent. So if the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court failed to acknowledge, <clears throat> Pennsylvania State Supreme Court failed to 
failed to strike down the, the votes that were cast uh, using uh, mail-in ballots without signature verification because they felt like that would have changed the outcome of the election. But their job is not to determine the outcome of the election. They, they changed the outcome of the election by not upholding the law. And again, I am not a supporter or a fan of either President Trump or President Biden. I think they're both doing exactly the same thing. New president, same policy, and the policy is not good for the American people. So, um, so don't put me in the camp of supporting President Trump. I am not in that camp. I'm squarely opposed to President Trump, and I'm squarely opposed to President Biden. I'm squarely opposed to both political parties because both political parties are a mirage. They're merely one political party of authoritarianism. I am an American, and I believe in liberty. And therefore, I vote as an independent or as a libertarian. In any case, why would the Supreme Court reject the claim that the federal elections affect federal policy? The argument that they're making here, and again, I have a, this linked um, in, the, in the article, but the argument that they, that they made, I think it was with the Texas challenge to the Supreme Court, is that the states do not have a vested interest in knowing how other states manage their elections. And that's patently false. That is fundamentally wrong. And the reason why that is so wrong, they're, they're effectively making the argument that votes cast in Pennsylvania or other states do not affect federal policy. If that's the case, then explain income taxes. How is it possible that we have to pay income taxes when there are you know, states who don't support it? There are states who do support it. But yet everyone in the country has to pay income taxes. So this idea that states do not have a vested interest in how other states manage their elections is, is way out in left field. It is absolutely just wrong. It's flat out wrong. It's incorrect. It's a bad court decision. It needs to be thrown out and it needs to be reversed. Who benefits from this? The unaccountable intelligence community, often called the deep state, is the clear winner. They gain control of our election systems by paying states under the guise of federal approval to use software that is known to be hacked. In so doing, they maintain control of our leaders and policy at the expense of our liberty and our universal and unabridged right to express our will through the vote. Now, technical findings. The 2018 DEFCON Voting Village Report provides the following findings. A voting tabulator that is currently used in at least 23 states is vulnerable to be remotely hacked via a network attack because the device in question is a high-speed unit designed to process a high volume of ballots for an entire country. Hacking just one of these machines, and this is a direct quote, by the way, Hacking just one of these machines of 33,000 could enable an attacker to flip the Electoral College and determine the outcome of a presidential election. That is a direct quote from the 2018 DEFCON Voting Village Report. Another quote, a second critical vulnerability in the same machine was disclosed to the vendor a decade ago. And yet that machine, which was used in the 2016 election, still contains the same flaw. Another quote, another machine used in 18 states 
was able to be hacked in only two minutes, while it takes the average voter six minutes to vote. This indicates one could realistically hack a voting machine in the polling place on election day within the time that it takes to vote. And sometimes the hack requires that you be next to the voting machine. So this is, this is one of the ways that, that they can do that. Another quote, hackers had the ability to wirelessly reprogram via mobile phone a type of electronic card used by millions of Americans to activate their voting, the voting terminal to cast their ballots. This vulnerability could be exploited to take over the voting machine on which they vote and cast as many votes as the voter wanted. So in other words, somebody can walk into a voting machine, use their cell phone to hack the voting terminal, and cast as many votes as they want. And because there are no receipts, there's no backup, printable backup, there's no way to validate. In many in some states there may be printable backup, but there's no way to attribute those uh, directly to people. And we don't necessarily have a... Um, in, in many states, a poll book that matches the number of votes to the number of ballots, right? Um, or voters to the number of votes. And on top of that, uh, you know, the poll workers, again, just like I said with the coronavirus article, I'm not alleging that a bunch of people are conspiring. I'm, I'm alleging that people are doing their jobs to the best of their ability. So the poll workers here simply are not, uh, it's not just the poll workers, but the people who are uh, instructed and obligated to certify an election, they are not, by and large, cyber hackers. They're not hackers. They're not capable of understanding a cyber attack and critical vulnerabilities in software. And so without ca that capability, they are not qualified to certify the election. That's just, that's just a point of fact. So in layman's terms, the technical vulnerabilities give hackers total control of our election results through a single hack of one machine in tens of thousands of voting machines across the nation. Finding the hack would be nearly impossible because there are too many vulnerabilities across too many access points. You're looking for a needle in a haystack as big as the country. You're just not going to find it. And even if you did find the needle, the evidence of that, the needle, that the needle ever really existed would likely be covered up. I mean, hackers know how to cover their tracks. They're not going to leave their, the, the, the hole exploited. They're, and if this is a network-based system, once they have access to the system and you're conducting a recount, they can shift votes from one county to the next. I mean, there are multiple ways. And if you really wanted to troll the election results... If you really wanted to troll the people who demanded a recount, then wouldn't you just say that the recounted vote actually added votes to the to the guy that supposedly claimed victory? Isn't that what happened in 2020? Didn't Biden generally gain more votes than lost in these supposed recounts? Isn't that the ultimate troll? I think it is. And again, I don't support either President Biden or President Trump because they're both effectively contributing to the hijacking of America. What I would like as a Marine Corps officer and as an American is for our liberty and justice, which each of us pledged allegiance to as a kid. Uh, we pledge allegiance to the flag for liberty and justice for all. I would like our words to be honored. 
I would like the oath of office that our military service members sign away our lives to support and defend. I would like that to be honored. I want, I want America to live by our words. That is all I'm doing. That's, all, that's the reason why I write these articles. And of course, if this ever breaks out, then we can, all, we can expect a character assassination because that's the way they maintain control. But again, is it possible that everything I'm saying here is true? Yes. Is it also possible that, uh, you know, this is, it's just a mess. Anyway, recount efforts that employ the same tabulation systems that were used in the initial count are likely to produce very similar results to the original count, as we have seen in Wisconsin. Um, of note, Wisconsin uses the ESS M650, the same compromised networked hand tabulation system with multiple known vulnerabilities, each of which enables a hacker through a single access point to change the results across the entire state of Wisconsin at minimum, and potentially across the entire country. In other words, the Wisconsin re recount was worthless. The recount needs to be done by paper and pencil tally because the electronics used to conduct the recount may be compromised. Because the vulnerabilities are such that only expert hackers are likely to identify the compromised systems, only a paper and pencil tally would validate the vote. Hidden ex ex executable files and mobile phone accessible wirelessly powered smart cards that look identical to non-smart cards are tough to find, which is what makes them effective hacks. So what are we to do? Well, first we must acknowledge and accept the truth that our elections are vulnerable to hacking, that our government subsidizes hackable election software, that after a decade the hacks still were not closed by the vendors, and that the known hackable software was used in 48 of 50 states in the 2020 election, and that recounts conducted with hacked software are nothing but smoke and mirrors. Hacked software cannot be software to accurately validate the vote. Second, we must also acknowledge that the state and federal court system is abdicating responsibility for providing a reasonably appropriate legal opinion for the Congress to act on. I'll repeat that. We must acknowledge that the state and federal court system is abdicating responsibility for providing a reasonably appropriate legal opinion for the Congress to act on. We know that, that fraudulent votes were cast in Pennsylvania, and they abdicated responsibility for, up, for, for upholding the law. They did not modify the Pennsylvania Constitution. Therefore, the law that changed how the election was run without amending the Constitution is an unconstitutional law in the state of Pennsylvania, and therefore the ballots cast under that law are to be stricken, rendered void. Now, should we be voiding... Um, you know, voiding legal votes? No, absolutely not. Everybody needs to have the right to vote. And everybody should have an ID so that they can vote. Once we have that, and we know that the software is open source and public and available, then we can be more confident that our elections are trustworthy and transparent. So the court system has abdicated responsibility. And then, of course, you had the Supreme Court case with the Texas challenge, and they ruled that states have a vested interest in other states 
in terms of how they run their elections. And if that's the case, then they're basically making the argument for the separation of states from the federal government, which may be exactly what they're intending to do. Again, because if they're dividing and conquering the country and they're trying to limit movement and eventually divide the country up into, into 50 states, what do you think that's going to do to the federal government? It's going to crush the federal government. It's going to empower the states. Uh, and I think that the states need to be more empowered. But when you do that and you do that with malintent, what's more likely to happen is that uh, the people who are running the Federal Reserve Bank and the central banks around the world are going to get what they want, which is to shift the base of power to China. Why? Because China already has a public and very well-established surveillance system, which the people have been unable to throw off. And while we may have a ubiquitous surveillance state here in the United States, it has not yet been publicly acknowledged. And as long as it is not yet publicly acknowledged, we have the ability to fend it off. Once it is publicly acknowledged, it, is, it becomes far more difficult to fend this off uh, because at that point, everyone, not just the people who are entrapped behind the, uh, uh, within the intelligence community, but everybody, and very well, that may very well be a, sub a substantial portion of the population as well, but everybody would be, uh, would be stricken with fear knowing that we cannot speak uh, certain things because the government has the ability to just turn off our ability to spend money through blockchain money. So that, that is what's going on here. And that's the reason why that court decision may have come down the way it did, to actually break up the United States in order to shift power uh, and influence to China and their military. The states have an undeniable interest in the security and conduct of elections in other states because federal elections influence federal policy and, by extension, the citizens of the many states. That the rule of law must be followed and laws that violate the Constitution are to be rendered void. And that where the rule of law contradicts the right of the people to express their will through the vote, the law must be updated so that the two interests are aligned. And that it is the role of the legislature at the state and federal levels to enact and enforce laws. Given that these 48 states make up 527 of the 538 potential electoral votes, and that each state uses compromised voting systems, 48 out of 50, the national vote cannot be trusted unless it is verified with a national hand recount of paper ballots using paper and pencil tally. With this in mind, I would like to see President Trump use well, this was written again before Trump, while President Trump was lame duck. But I would like to see President Trump use the Defense Production Act of 1950, which is kind of an antitrust, uh, has an antitrust provision, to seize and make public the software code from both Dominion and ESNS under the antitrust provision of the Act. I would further advise the GOP to reference Article 2, Section 1.2 of the U.S. Constitution that states, Quote, each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature therefore may direct a number of electors, which indicates that state legislatures have the constitutional authority to determine their electors. 
Do not misconstrue my analysis for support of the current system. The system is rife with flaws and inconsistencies that are used to manipulate the people at the expense of our liberty. I provide my analysis to expose flaws in the system because we cannot address the flaws without first acknowledging them. Again, I am not supporting either party. I think both parties are bad for America. I support liberty and justice for all. I support no force. I support transparency and accountability for the people. I support limited government. I support individual action and personal responsibility. And none of that is possible unless we have confidence in our election systems. If you've read my book, my, or my Hijacking America's article series on Medium, you know that I am an opponent to the status quo of which both President Trump and President Biden, President-elect Biden at that part, are a part. I did not vote for either candidate, and I did my best to overthrow the status quo with an independent bid for president, a bid that, along with many other candidates, was suppressed by the media. The matter of secure elections is not a partisan issue. It's not just a 2020 issue either. It's a we the people versus authoritarian government issue. It's an issue about retaining our rights or not retaining our rights. And anyone who wants to argue against an investigation into the validity of the code is somebody that is either a partisan hack and wants to and is short-sighted and wanting to preserve the power of their party because they're the ones that are in power right now, or who are actively uh, working against uh, our best interest, or who are entrapped and therefore are actively working against our best interest. But any reasonable, logical person who is not entrapped and not coerced will acknowledge that it is in our best interest to have open source, trustworthy, transparent election code so that we can be sure that our elections are reliable and trustworthy. Now, since, 20, since 1913, with the creation of the Federal Reserve Bank, the CIA, and qualified immunity in, the 50, in 1950, no, that's, that should be 1949. That's interesting. I don't, I don't think I would have made that mistake. The secret FISA court system in 78 and the domestic surveillance system through, this, through the USA Patriot Act of 2001, the unaccountable banking intelligence apparatus that rules our federal government have strengthened their hold on power at our expense. There is never a perfect time to fix a broken system, but failure to act now only ensures that future elections will continue to be hacked in favor of the wealthy elite of the deep state. America would be wise to address the issue immediately and to ensure that we implement systems that are trustworthy, transparent, and into perpetuity. For that reason, while we have a candidate in President Trump who is willing to take on the media backlash to do so, his efforts may finally expose the rigged system and give us our best chance to replace the fraudulent system with one that is transparent and trustworthy. Now, what's interesting about that is that I wrote this article again while President Trump was still a lame duck president. Now, you've heard me say this over and over again, that President Trump and President Biden are both in on it. They are both either actively arguing uh, and benefiting from the overthrow of our rights and our liberties, or they are entrapped by the system. Only they can answer that. But from an outside perspective, it certainly appears that they are arguing or that they are both potentially benefiting from the system 
because they are both continuing the same policies. How else can you explain the fact that President Trump, as president, during his lame duck session, had the ability to seize the code under antitrust provisions and did not do so even to preserve his own job as president of the United States? How do you explain that? I don't know how to explain it. The only way to explain that to me is if he was in on it or entrapped. So that's the question that we need to ask him, I suppose. Where the systems are compromised and the laws work against the interest of the people, we have a problem, and it's about time that we fix it. And if you're interested, this 2016 account by Nate Silver called The Real Story of 2016 shows that the FBI, not the Russians, elected President Trump by holding repeated press conferences on Secretary Clinton's emails. Press conference, the press conferences, according to Silver's analysis, was likely enough, enough to flip key swing states and the Electoral College for candidate Trump. Every time they held a press conference, candidate Trump at that point gained a couple of points in the polls. And they even held, I believe it was two press conferences, within, uh, within the margin of error. So there was one last press conference that was held within days of the election, and they were already within striking distance uh, on the, on the swinging for a majority for Trump at that point. So it was the FBI, not, uh, not anyone else, but it was the FBI that elected, not the Russians, that elected President Trump. Um, and so then again, right, you have to look. We had 81 million ballots supposedly cast for President Biden and 75 or 76 million ballots cast for President Trump. That means that we had um, 50, you know, 156 million, 157 million, is that right, uh, ballots cast. Uh, and we have a voting age population of 250 million, which means you've got roughly, you know, roughly 55, 60% of the vote turned out. Yeah, about about 60% of the vote turned out um, during a pandemic in which nobody was allowed to, people were afraid to leave the house. Those numbers really don't add up. So um, is it possible that this election was, was hacked? I think the answer to that question is yes. Liberty. Liberty is clean air. Liberty is fresh water. Liberty is healthy organic food. Money that retains value over time and a constitution that applies evenly to all people at all times by default and without exception. Liberty is expressed through transparent, trustworthy elections that use open source software. If you want to know the references that I used, uh, just go to votejoemcue.medium.com and look for the article, There Is No Debate, The 2020 Election Was More Likely Hacked Than Not. I also have another article, and I will do that in the next podcast. Um, it's called The 2020 Presidential Election Cycle is Proving That Our System is Broken, and it's time to fix it. 